same blessed time of fellowship that we uh, to follow, Lord. And we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Acts chapter number 20. And I'd like to, just by way of introduction, I'd like to show you uh, a few things before we get into the story that I want to focus on tonight. If you look at verse 1, Acts chapter number 20, and verse 1, the Bible says, And after the uproar was ceased. Do you remember from last week the uproar that happened in Ephesus when that mob uh, took over and they had their Occupy Ephesus movement there and uh, the mob got all crazy and they tried to kill Paul. Some of you who know the news know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, it's funny. But anyway, they um, they had their little uproar and all of that. It says after the uproar uh, was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples. I'd like you to see these words. It says, and embraced them. You know, Paul really gave himself to these people. He loved these people. And he's getting ready to leave them, and he, the Bible says he embraced them. And, you know, don't just look over these verses. All these words mean a lot, and he's a, they're dear friends to him. He's been with them for years now, and he's loving them, and he's getting ready to leave. If you look at the last part of verse 1, it says, And departed for to go into Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts, and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece. I'd like you to see how Paul ministered to these people. First of all, he embraced them. Paul loved these people. But also, he gave them much exhortation. That means he taught them. And he preached to them. And, and a lot of times that dealt, that dealt with uh, their sin, and that dealt with issues, and that dealt with encouraging and exhorting someone. And, and he did that for them. That was how he ministered to them. Look at verse 3. And there abode three months, and when the Jews laid wait for him, everywhere he goes, the Jews are trying to kill him. And when the Jews laid wait for him, as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. And they accompanied him. So I want you to see Paul's ministry. He embraced the brethren, the disciples. He loved them. He exhorted the disciples. He taught them. And then they accompanied him. So he was ministering to them and he was teaching them and training them. He wasn't just in this alone. Look at the, the group he, he ran with. In verse 4 it says, And they accompanied him into Asia. So Potter of Berea and of the Thessalonians Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timotheus, and of Asia, Tychius, and Trophimus. So that's seven people that are with him. So you see, he's not just do, Paul's not just this lone ranger just doing the ministry on his own. He's got people that have now have come beside him to help him in, in, in the ministry, and he's training them and helping them. So this is the ministry of Paul. Look at verse 5. These going before tarry for us at Troas. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came into them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. So I'd like you to notice they get to the city of Troas. And when they get to Troas, if you look at verse number seven, the Bible says, and upon the first day of the week. Now, who knows when, when is the first day of the week? Anybody know? Of course. Sunday. That's the right answer right there. Now a lot of us, a lot of times we think Monday is the first day of the week. But actually that's incorrect. The first day of the week is Sunday. And uh, Monday is the second day of the week. And Saturday, which comes from the, the word, you know, like the Spanish word for Saturday is Sabado, which comes from the Sabbath day. That's the seventh day. So Saturday is the last day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. We come to church on Sunday, the first day of the week, because we always give God the first of everything. We give Him our first fruits. When we tithe, we give Him the first 10%. And of our week, we give Him the first day of the week. So that Sunday is the first day of the week. And if you look at verse number 
7, it says, and upon the first day of the week, that's Sunday, it says, when the disciples came together. Now, when the disciples come together, what, what do we call that? That's church. Disciples, Christians, congregating, coming together. I'd like you to see, everything we do must have its roots in the Bible. And, you know, we come to church on Sunday because that's when they went to church, is on Sunday. The first day of the week. When the disciples came together. Notice what it says, to break bread. That's your donuts on Sunday morning, you know. That's your pie we're having after church. Like, that's the cake we have, you know, last, last Sunday night of every month. That, you know, all these things, they're biblical things. You know, to, there, there's Baptists who meet on the Sabbath day. But that's not the New Testament example for, uh, for church. Church is on the first day of the week. That's when they met. And by the way, they met on the first day of the week because the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected on the first day of the week. Another reason why we have Wednesday night Bible study, number one, is just because it's right in the middle of the week, so it works out perfect. But our Lord was crucified on Wednesday night. I know the Catholics teach that He died on Friday, but that's completely wrong, and I preached entire sermons on that, and I'll, I'll do it again soon, sometime. But um, we, all these things that we do, there's got to be a biblical reason, a biblical basis. Verse 7 says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, look what it says, Paul preached unto them. This was a church service. Ready to depart on the morrow. And look what it says. Continued his speech until midnight. You know what they were having? They were having Sunday night church. Sometimes people say to me, Why do you guys have church on Sunday morning and Sunday night? Well, here's why. I can show you in the Bible when they met on the first day of the week in the morning. And I can show you in the Bible when they met on the first day of the week on Sunday night. That's the example that the Bible had given us. And look what it says. He continued his speech. So he's preaching. And he's preaching so long, he preached until midnight. So number one, we learn from there that Paul was a long-winded preacher. But we also see from there that they were having church in the evening. So having church Sunday evening is a very scriptural thing. Look at verse 8. And there are many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus. We're introduced to this young man named Eutychus. And it says, Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching. Do you see that? You know, today, the, the fad for churches today is this. For the pastor to preach a little 20 to 25 minute sermonette. But that's not biblical preaching. Paul preached for a long time. Now, sometimes I'll, I'll preach for an hour and people start acting like, oh, when is this going to be done? You know, a couple of Wednesday nights we had some visitor in here. Supposedly he's a pastor. And he was upset because the sermon, I was, I've been preaching for 20 minutes and he wanted the sermon to be done. But you know, but that's what our society has developed. Church today, the average church service today is like 45 minutes of music and like 15 or 20 minutes of preaching. But the Bible says that Paul was long preaching. The Bible says that he preached until midnight. So, you know, when I preach for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, and you guys are like, why is this going to be You know, just consider yourself fortunate that I don't preach till midnight. I mean, good night. But here's what you got to understand. You say, well, why, 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 you know, preach that long? Here's what you got to understand, okay? When you preach the Bible, and when you preach substance, okay? Paul preached for a long time because he had something to say. I mean, oftentimes in my sermons, especially on Sunday mornings, when I preach those topical sermons about different things, I've got to cut out points. I've got to cut out I just don't have the time to get... Because here's the thing, I've got something to say, but the average pastor just doesn't have anything to say. They're just trying to fill a spot. So their little 20-minute, 20 25-minute sermonette, 
It's just, you know, tell you a little story, maybe tell you a joke, and you're done. But that's not Bible preaching. Bible preaching, you're trying to develop people, you're trying to teach people. But I'd like you to look, if you look there at verse number 9, we're introduced to this young man, Eutychus, and it says, And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, and look what it says, being fallen into a deep sleep. Eutychus fell asleep in church, and he wasn't a child. You know, that's, a, that's understandable, a three-year-old falls asleep in church. But this is a young man, you know. A young man can be anywhere from a teenager to, uh, to a young man, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, whatever. And this young man, he was sitting at a window, and he fell into a deep sleep. And I'd like you to, point number one, and I'm not going to be very long tonight because we do have all the different things we're doing, uh, but, you know, when I'm not going to be long, I'll still preach as long as the average pastor. But point number one is this, Eutychus fell asleep. And I'd like you to see the, the spiritual application to this story is this. This was a great opportunity. If, look at verse number seven again. Look what it says. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. Look what it says, the very next phrase. Nothing is in the Bible just by coincidence. Everything that's in the Bible is there for a reason. The Bible says, Paul preached unto them, look what it says, ready to depart on the morrow. Okay? We read earlier in the passage, Paul just walked into trials. Okay? So this isn't like Ephesus where Paul's going to stay for two years. This isn't like earlier where he stayed, you know, in different places for three months. Paul is there for a very limited amount of time. And he comes to church on Sunday night. He's the guest preacher. Remember when we had Pastor Mark Lewis here on Sunday night? It's just the same thing. That Paul walks into church Sunday night, guest preacher. He's, getting, he's preaching and he's ready to depart on the morrow. Now, let me ask you something. If the, if the Apostle Paul rose from the grave and he was going to come preach at Very Baptist Church. I said, we're having a special service. On Tuesday night, the Apostle Paul is going to come preach for us. You, would you try to make it? Would you, would you make it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'd make it. I, I want to hear the Apostle Paul preach. I mean, if, 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 if I was sick, I, I'd take some you know, vitamins and I'd be here. If, you know, if I had school, I'd skip school. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if the Apostle Paul's preaching, and here's what you understand, we're getting towards the end of Paul's ministry, so he's not a new preacher at this point. He's a very well-known, very, you know, seasoned minister. Everywhere he goes, he's got converts, he's got churches. I mean, he's a, he's a great man of God, you know, a very well-known man of God at this point in his life. And they had him for one night. Could you imagine that? The only person I can think of that I want to hear preach more than the Apostle Paul would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But other than that, I mean, if the Lord Jesus Christ is unfaithable, I'd, I'd want to hear the Apostle Paul preach. And, they, and, there, and there they had him. They had this great opportunity. One night, the Apostle Paul, guest preacher, Sunday night, he's leaving in the morning. You don't want to miss it. Eutychus comes. This whole crowd comes. The disciples get together. They're having a special service. I mean, did you notice that they broke bread? I mean, they, they, they ordered their round table pizza afterwards. They got all, you know, they're having a nice service. They're doing these things. Eutychus comes. He walks up the stairs and he sits down at the window. You know, and back in those days, they didn't have windows. Glass windows. And while the Apostle Paul is preaching, he falls asleep. And misses out on a great opportunity. And you know, the spiritual application is this. Eutychus missed out on a one in a once in a lifetime 
opportunity because he fell asleep. Just real quickly, keep your finger there in Acts chapter number 20 because we're going to come back to it. But go with me to Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. And look at what the Bible says in Matthew 13. Look at verse 24. Matthew chapter number 13. And look at verse 24. The Lord Jesus Christ is given a parable there. And the Bible says in Matthew 13, 24. Look what it says. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, look what the Lord Jesus Christ, the parable that the Lord is giving. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Look at verse 25. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Do you know that today people are missing out on opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. You say, why? Because they're asleep. You say, I'm not sleeping in church. No, but you're spiritually asleep. Eutychus had an opportunity once in a lifetime. Here the Apostle Paul preached and he physically went to sleep and he physically missed that opportunity. And you and I, every day, have an opportunity. Hey, you know, I was thinking about this. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Can you believe that? Can you believe that the year? I mean, it seems like we just got into this year. Yep. And I mean, you just blink, and it's already towards the end of the year. But you know what the sad part is? Most of us have been sleeping all year long. Spiritually. You have opportunities that God gives you, and opportunities to be able to do something, to be able to, you know, to, to, to reach someone. You, I mean, they had an opportunity. That sermon could have changed that young man's life, but he wasted it because he fell asleep. And spiritually, you know, moms and dads better sleeping tonight? Are you sleeping in your marriage? You know, marriage is something that you need to work on constantly. Every day. And people just fall asleep in their marriages. They, they, you know, when you get married, you know, you're pursuing that, you know, what, you know that young lady or, or your whatever. You know, when you're married, you know, everything they ask for, oh, no problem. You know, everything they want, you know, you think about them all day long, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're dating and stuff, and, oh, I can't let them see me without, you know, make sure my hair's fixed, and then, you know, and the men, I mean, nothing she says could annoy you, nothing she says could bother you, anything she asks, you know, and, but then, but then what happens, you get married, and then you fall asleep, <laughs> and you miss out on these opportunities, it's the truth, and you, and you sleep through your marriage, you sleep through those years that God has given you, raised those kids. You sleep. See, some of you are sitting in, in, in the church right now that has the incorruptible Word of God, preaches it to you three times a week with a whole lot of substance, can teach you how to win souls, can teach you how to minister to others, can teach you how to do something for the kingdom of God. But yet you say, well, I come to church on Sunday morning, that's all, all well and good. But you're sleeping spiritually. And God has given you an opportunity to be able to do something, to earn some rewards, to change some lives, to do something for the glory and the kingdom of God. And because you're asleep spiritually, you're just missing out on those opportunities, missing out on those opportunities, missing out on those opportunities. I wouldn't be sleeping if Paul was preaching. Man, I'd be wide awake. I'd be taking notes. But this young man fell asleep and he missed out on an opportunity. What opportunities are you missing out on? Because you're sleeping. 
because you're not awake. The Bible says, the Lord Jesus Christ says, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares. Don't understand this parable. And one of these days I'm going to preach a sermon just out of this parable because there's more to it than, yet, than just that. But look at, look at verse 24 again. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. This man was working hard in his field. He was working hard in his family. He was working hard in his ministry. He was working hard in the opportunity that God had given him. His marriage, his children, you know, his devotion to God. He sowed good seed in his field. But what, you know, and while he was sowing good seed, everything was good. But when he fell asleep, verse 25, while men slept, that's when the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Wake up. Wake up. I said, number one, Eutychus fell asleep. Number two, Eutychus fell down. Look at verse 9. Acts chapter number 20. Look at verse 9. He said, Pastor Jimenez, what's the, what's the problem with sleeping? Sleeping's comfortable. I know. Look at verse 9. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And Paul was long preaching. Look what he says. This guy's getting comfortable. He sunk down with sleep. You know, when I, I remember when I was a little kid, man, the best slept I got was the church. You know, I remember when I was four years old, the, 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 the pastor, my, my parents never let us sleep in church. And by the way, don't let your kids sleep in church. You know, they need to be awake in church. If, if, if my kids want to, you know, and I'm, you know, when they're young, when they're two and three, obviously that's different. But, you know, don't let your, you know, 14-year-old sleep in church or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, teach them to be awake and, be, and pay attention. But, you know, I remember I was four years old, uh, and my parents never let us up in church. But for some reason, I, I mean, I fell asleep, and, um, and, and my parents didn't catch it or something. I don't know, they weren't paying attention. And I fell asleep. But while I was sleeping, I remember, I, I remember this so clearly. I had a dream that I was in church. While I was sleeping. So to me, I was in church. And I remember they, they prayed and they were dismissed. And I woke up. And I, and I, I don't know, I was just four. And our church wasn't very large at that time. And just really loud, I said, uh, you know, is it over already? And they just kind of looked at me like, well, you've been sleeping for like an hour and a half. You know, it's not like it just started, you know. And this is what this young man's doing. I mean, he, he, the Bible says he fell asleep. He sunk down with sleep. But then notice what happens. Because he's, he's sitting at a window. Look what it says. And fell down. From the third loft. So they're on the third story. And that's a bad idea. He sits down at a window on the third story. Falls asleep. He fell down. Look what it says. Look at the last part of verse 9. And was taken up dead. You see that? He fell asleep. And then the next thing that happens is that he fell down. And when he fell down, he fell three stories and he died. And you know, spiritually, the application is this. When you fall asleep spiritually, the next step is you're going to fall down and die spiritually. And that's the truth. Eutychus fell down. And notice when he fell down, a few things happened. The first thing that happened is he fell out of church. I mean, literally, physically, he fell out of church. Let me tell you something. In your spiritual life, when you fall, you never fall into church. No one ever falls into church. They always fall out of church. And this young man, he fell out of church. He fell out of the preaching service. He fell out of fellowship. And he died. And if you are spiritually asleep, you spiritually fall asleep, the next step is this, you're going to fall down. And you're going to spiritually die. <coughs> Eutychus fell down. Spiritual sleep. 
not, not to be confused with soul sleep that the Jehovah's Witnesses teach, but spiritual sleep will lead to spiritual death. Some of you will first fall asleep spiritually and then die spiritually. See, here, here's how the average person, they're getting a divorce and they realize, wow, my marriage is dead, what happened? But they don't understand. See, when Eutychus died, he didn't see it coming because he was asleep. Eutychus died in his sleep. He fell out a window and died and didn't even realize it. And most people, you know, and I, and I use marriage because it's something that you can understand. Most people, they, you know, they get served the marriage divorce paperwork and they're like, what happened? My marriage is dead. And what, what you understand, you've been asleep for years. And you've been in trouble for a long time. And when you finally died, you didn't even realize it. See, when your kids are in prison, that's too late to, to stop praying for them. you got to wake up and stop praying for them. When they're 10 and 11 and 12, you know, when your kids are on drugs and alcohol, when your marriage is falling apart, when your finances are falling apart, when you're dead, it's too late. you got to wake up. You fall asleep and then you die. Remember Samson? Remember the story of Samson? What did Samson end? Do you remember? He fell asleep on Delilah's lap. And then they cut his hair. The Spirit of the Lord departed from him. And they took his eyes out, and eventually what happened? He died. Why? Because he fell asleep. It's the Sandman Syndrome. You better realize in your Christian life, it's very easy to fall into a comfortable state. It's very easy to fall into a sense of confidence and assurance, to sink down and get comfortable and spiritually sleep. The Bible says we are to, you know, be very vigilant. The Bible says we need to be awake. The Bible says we need to be watching. Because the enemy wants to sow tears in your field. This young man fell asleep, and the next thing that happened is he fell down. He spiritually died. You say, well, Pastor Emmanuel... What do, you, what do you do? Maybe, maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I may, am, I, am I asleep? Maybe you're thinking, man, I'm spiritually dead, actually. Now, what do I do? What happens next? Well, here's the beautiful thing. Look at verse 9. And I said, I don't want to preach very long tonight, so I just want you to see this. Look at verse 9 again. It says, And there sat in a window Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep, and fell down from the third loft, and he was taken up dead. So he said, number one, he fell asleep. We said, number two, he fell down and died. But number three, look at verse 10. And Paul went down and fell on him. Eutychus fell asleep. Eutychus fell down out of the window. But point number three is this. Paul fell on Eutychus. The Bible says, Paul went down and fell. He literally threw himself out. He fell on him. And embracing him, look what it says. And embracing him said, Trouble not yourself, for his life is in him. And here's what happened. This young man got very comfortable. He fell asleep. This young man fell out the window. He died. But then the preacher came. The preacher fell on him. And he resurrected. Here's what you got to say. You say, I'm in that situation, Pastor. Financially, I'm dead. You know, my relationships are dead. My friendships are dead. I burned every bridge that I, you know, that I had. My marriage is dead. My children's relationship is dead. Whatever you say, I'm in that place. Say, what do I do? Here's a beautiful thing. God is in the business of resurrecting. God is in the resurrection business. Go with me. This is one of my favorite verses. Go with me to John, chapter number 11. Look what, look what the Lord Jesus Christ says. And we understand that the context of John 11 
is salvation. But look at what the Lord Jesus Christ says in John chapter number 11. Look at verse 25. John chapter number 11 verse 25. The Lord Jesus Christ said this at a funeral. Right before He was going to resurrect Lazarus. In verse 25 He said, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me, though He were yet dead, yet shall He live. And yes, we understand that that's talking about salvation. And that's talking about the fact that one day you may die physically, but though you were dead, yet shall ye live. And He's going to resurrect you. But let me tell you something. The Lord Jesus Christ can resurrect your spiritual life. The Lord Jesus Christ can resurrect your relationship. And whatever you're going to, whenever you have, you know, died because you've been sleeping, He can resurrect that. Go to Ephesians chapter number 5. Look what it says. Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians 5 could be like the theme verse for the story we just read. Because look at what it says. Ephesians. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, and then you've got the book of Ephesians. If you find Philippians, Colossians, you've gone too far. Ephesians chapter number 5. Look down at verse number 14. Look what it says. Ephesians chapter number 5. Look down at verse number 14. This could be the, the theme verse for the story we read. Look what it says. Ephesians. I'm sorry, did I say 5? I think I meant 3. 3.14. No, that's not it either. Good night. What did I write? Let me look. Yeah, Ephesians 5.14. Did I look at the wrong verse? Ephesians chapter 5. Oh yeah, verse 14. Yeah, there it is. Sorry. Ephesians 5.14. Look what it says. Wherefore he saith. Look what he says. Awake thou that sleepest. And look what it says. Arise from the dead. And Christ shall give thee light. Doesn't that go perfectly with the verse we just with the story we just read? He says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. That's the first step. And arise from the dead. That's the second step. And Christ shall give thee light. See. If you fall asleep, hey, you can wake up. If you die, if you fall out, if you fall out a window, if you fall out of church, if you fall out of preaching, if you fall out of fellowship, if you fall out of that, you can still come back. God can resurrect you. God can bring you out of that. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Go back with me real quickly to Acts chapter 20. We're done right here. Acts chapter number 20. I didn't want to preach long tonight because we have all the pie and all that. Look at verse 11. Say, what does a, a resurrected life look like? This young man just died and Paul brought him back from the dead. In verse 11, look at, look at what a resurrected life, a resurrected Christian life, a resurrected spiritual life. Look what it looks like. When he therefore was come up again, he had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. Don't miss what it says in that verse. When he therefore was come up again. So notice they went back where? To church. He, he got back to church. Look at verse 11. And had broken bread. He got back to fellowship with the believers. And by the way, let me tell you something. 
You know, sometimes people have this idea, well, I don't really need church, you know. I'm just going to read the Bible at home, and, and that's all I really need. And look, I'm all for Bible reading. I, mean, I don't know of any preacher that preaches more about Bible reading and having a personal devotional time. I mean, I know that, that there's a lot of preachers who do, but, you know, I'm all for that. But let me tell you something. It's not one or the other. You, you cannot survive spiritually off a diet of preaching with no personal Bible reading. But you cannot survive off a diet of just be reading your Bible and not being under the preaching. You need both, okay? You need to feed yourself and you need to be fed. You need somebody to teach you the Bible, especially when you're newer. Because you, you're going to be reading a lot of things you don't understand. Okay? But you can't just rely on me to feed you spiritually. you got to you know, open up the pantry and feed yourself spiritually as well. And, and, but the other thing is this. You know, sometimes people go, well, I can listen to preaching online. Or I can listen to preaching on the, uh, on the television. I'm going to watch Joel Osteen and that will be my, my church. Well, one of the main purposes of church is the fellowship. It's the coming together of believers. It's the fact that you can talk to people, and they can pray for you, and you can pray for them, and you can say, hey, sister, I've been praying for you in regards to this or in regards to that. And you can, you know, break bread or break pie or break donuts or whatever, and have fellowship. You can have those ladies' activities and have those men's preachers. So you can have friends and fellowship, and people encourage you enough. That's part of church. And you don't get that between the commercials when you're watching, you know, Charles Stanley or Joel Osteen on TV. And look at what he said in verse 11. He said, When he therefore was come up again, so he got back to church, and had broken bread, he got back to fellowship and eaten. And look what it says. And talked a long while. He got back to preaching. And this is how long he preached. Remember, when the guy died, it was midnight. So he resurrected him. They came back. They ate a little bit. They said, okay, let me finish my sermon. And he preached even till break of day. At some point in my lifetime, I'd like to preach a sermon that long. I start in the evening, Sunday night evening, and I finish Monday morning. We'll see how many of you stick around. But that's how long he preached. Paul has something to say. Paul has something he wants to teach these people. Look what it says. So he departed. He said, what does a resurrected life look like? Here's what it looks like. Church. Fellowship with other believers under the preaching of God's Word. It's not the end. Just, you know, don't get discouraged. Just because you've made mistakes or just because you've done things in the past, or just be, you know, forget those things which are behind, but make sure you're pressing forward into those things which are before. You know, you've you got to head towards that mark, like Paul said. Just because you were asleep before doesn't mean you can wake up. Wake up. Just because you were dead before doesn't mean you can be resurrected. You, but, but be very careful, because here's what happens in, in Christian life. When you're going through a trial, that trial will wake you up. When you're going through hard times, that hard time will wake you up. When you just got saved, that excitement will wake you up. But here's what happens with the average Christian. They get settled in. They get sunk down, they get real comfy. And they just fall asleep. And before they know it, they're dead. And they're thinking, man, what happened to my kids? Man, what, what did happen to my marriage? You know, what did happen? You know, they come together and they're like, what, what did they do for Christ with my life? Okay, don't, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. The Bible says, while men slept the enemy, so tears in the field. That's why I had to have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for church. And thank you, Father, for people who would come together on an evening service.
to get into your word, to have prayer, to have fellowship, to have testimony. Father, I pray you bless the time we have, the pie and the fellowship we'll have together. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen.